This is Get a Real Job, the podcast devoted to people who choose risk over safe bets, who pursue their passion against all odds and are doing what they want, how they want, despite people and sometimes the voices in their own heads telling them they're nuts. When the field that I wanted to work in didn't exist, I created it. The only thing you have to decide is how hard you want to work. I really never went into the design of the restaurant of not succeeding. One way or another, I was going to succeed. I'm your host, Dan Bova, editorial director of entrepreneur.com. Thanks for listening. And now, get a real job. I've listened to many interviews with today's guests, and he seems to get a little bit uncomfortable with people calling him a comedy genius. So out of politeness, I'm just going to say he was one-fifth of a pretty good sketch comedy troupe called Kids in the Hall. Uh, He's about to open a new one-man show at the Soho Playhouse in New York. And you know what, Bruce? Screw being polite. I'm just going to welcome you as the insanely inventive, delightfully warped, and freaking hilarious Bruce McCullough. Bruce, how are you? Hello, listeners. Hey, it's Dan interrupting myself. We're going to find out just how Bruce McCullough is right after this. First, I want to thank you for uh, helping to preserve my liver because my roommate Greg and I definitely watched a lot of Kids in the Hall reruns when we could have been out drinking our faces off in our early 20s. So thank you for that. Well, that was good that you did that and you just smoked a bowl every night. Uh, Because actually, (laughs) as we know now, we didn't know it then, it's much better for you. Right, right, right. Um, so can you tell us, so, uh, the show Bruce McCullough tales of bravery and stupidity, uh, running, uh, June 1st, uh, through the 12th at the Zoho Playhouse. What is that about bravery and stupidity? Come on. Well, it's really about sort of my quest for interesting stories in life. And it was really also a quest for myself. Um, you know, it's a, it's a one person show with music and, um, some theatrics, but it, at the heart, it's a comedy show, which is, I don't know, really about the time we've been through where we've all been uh, in our silos. And what, what, what time is that? I'm not sure. What are you referring to? Is there something yeah, that's been I, going I on globally? Things uh, are going well now. <laughs> well, can you tell us uh, a tale of stupidity? Because I'm particularly interested in those. Well, there's, you know, it's it's me leaving a woman at one point and leaving my crucifixion machine at her house from, from the kids in the hall show. Um, it's me going on the worst sex weekend ever with my wife. Um, it's an ecstasy trip where I find myself ironically. Um, you know, it's those sorts of stories, but it's not obviously about me. It's, it's reflective of, of all of us and all the, all, all the pets we've lost and, and all the people who breathe in the world and breath is a big part of it. And, uh, and it's sort of where we are now a little bit, or that's my hope. Well, I haven't seen it, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it's amazing. How about that? Well, thank you, because that's what the press material will be saying. So, <laughs> you know, you won't be wrong. Right, right. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I was, well, I'll get into, I'll geek out on Kids in the Hall a little bit, but one of the things I was kind of interested was, that you uh, you studied business in college, is that right? Yeah, I well, the, hence all the businessmen sketches and the kids in the hall. Yeah, so I I took business 
Um, and then I remember my girlfriend at the time said, together, our marks, we got 100. And I said, oh, I bet I, I got 45 and you got 55. She said, no, I got 80 <laughs> and you got 20. And so the next, the next year I, I went to journalism, which kind of saved me because I started writing my freaky little stories and right. ultimately found comedy. Well, it, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, in talking to people, I've talked to comedians and a lot of business people for entrepreneur, obviously, but there's this similarity in that, uh, this, uh, ability to, uh, put yourself out there, take risks that a lot of people are afraid to do. And also this sort of compulsion to do what you do. Like, do you feel like you had another choice, uh, if, if comedy didn't work out for you? Oh no, no, I would have been, I would have been the angry, funny, drunk guy at the warehouse. You know, I'd had a, before I took to, went to university, I'd had like, you know, I, I was framing houses. I was driving truck. I was doing all the things that kind of a, a I don't know, a blue collar Calgary guy do, does. And then I went when I was in college and I went to loose moose theater where they had they have improv uh, comedy sort of competitive. And I just, I did. I felt like I was coming out of the closet that this was, this was my, these were my people somehow. And, right. and it's like my compulsion was strong and it was interesting for me now, even in retrospect, I was so lost, but then it's like meeting, meeting a great person or the, you're the partner, the person you fall in love with, you're lost until the second you aren't. Right. And right. the second I wasn't, it's like, I jumped on this conveyor belt that took me to now. You know, that's that's amazing. Do you remember like a specific moment where you felt like, OK, I just climbed onto this conveyor belt that's going to take me somewhere? Yeah, I remember like it, it was a time when they would take young improvisers and they would just say, yeah, you can go have a game in front of an audience, you know, and if if you F up, you F up. And if you freeze, you freeze. And in the first game I did, I they had a big rug. And for some reason I decided to crawl under the rug. It was like 50 feet wide and people were laughing and laughing. And then it was like, what do I do now? I'm in the middle of this rug, but it was like, it worked enough that I knew that there was something there for me. That's, that's awesome. Um, so obviously you're a writer, you're a performer. Uh, is there one side of that that you are really drawn to? Do you like both things? Is it, is it happening simultaneously for you? Well, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a live performer. I think, you know, I, I've always watched the kids in the hall show and I think there's four really funny guys. And then there's one little guy with a weird head that bobs <laughs> and his little hands won't stop moving. And that's me. <laughs> and so I, I don't know. That's why I think I took to directing. But actually, my favorite thing is to, which I started at Loose Mooks and doing stand up and doing stories and stuff like that, which was my first theater, is communing with an audience and just saying a weird thing and you get a laugh and you move. And so and storytelling is 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 wonderful. And I, you know, I like directing. I've had some, you know, I had a time where, you know, I did a film that didn't work so well and I wasn't getting offered anything for a while. Um, but then I started doing directing again, um, you know. I did Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Shit's Creek and stuff. And then most notably now for me, the show I, I EP called Tall Boys, which is just this great new show on, on Fuse in, in America. And it was like, ah, oh, yeah, directing is fun. Uh, but when I, I think when I was young, I didn't think I liked it. Right, but I right. Like, I like just getting my ideas out. And it's, it's also, 
has the, how this relates to the world of business. It's just making a thing. I want to yeah, just yeah. make a thing. It yeah. can be it can be a wedding toast. It can be a little video to try to sell tickets. It can be a big expensive um, thing for the kids in the hall show. Just, you're just making things, right? You know? Right. And that's 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 my compulsion. That that's amazing. Um, and when you're um, well, well, some of the stuff that you've done, some of it is like you know maybe broad a little broader, funny. I mean, everything you've done, I, I've laughed at, but I was in watching some old sketches. I was watching, uh, the, the stalker, um, thing you did for directed for SNL that, that short. And I wonder, like, I mean, it's very funny, but it's also like you hear people laughing and they're kind of nervous that they're laughing. And I wonder like, if you, if you prefer that kind of laugh rather to a belly laugh, or is it all good? Oh, it's all good. And of course, I like huge, juicy laughs that you can just lie down in and they'll 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 take you down the river. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, that was a piece for your listeners, uh, Janine Garofalo. And, and, you know, I was stalking her kind of happily and I was telling her that, um, which is a pretty dark subject matter. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it probably... I, you know, because Lauren had asked me to do just, you know, just do some short films, whatever you want. And um, <laughs> I think I was, you know, the other one I did was for my record called Eraserhead, where I was talking about how I get drunk once a, once a year for a week and watch Eraserhead. Right. Um, I, I, think, I think that was probably a good example of me not quite reading the room of what Saturday Night Live <laughs> was at that point. Well, it was, it was great. And I, I, you know, one thing that it reminded me of, uh, with, I was recently talking to David Cross. There's actually two things I wanted to ask you about. Obviously he was in a pretty, pretty okay comedy group, uh, himself, but, uh, he did say that he kind of likes that, like making people feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I wondered if you shared, is that's like a comedy thing? Uh, well, I think it's a very, uh, and I used to do a I used to do a character that bombed every night. He'd go out and succeed and then he'd start to bomb and then he'd cry. He'd start crying and then he'd go backstage and then you could hear him leave the stage and he'd go, I shit my pants. And it's like, and I would do this at comedy clubs. I wasn't doing it at like a theater. I'd go to Yuck Yucks and I'd have the crowd and I'd just lose them. And so I, I guess I like that. And I sometimes I've done a couple of times, like I like the low. Yeah. Everyone's afraid of it. Yeah. I embrace Oof. the low. That's that's uh that's a tough thing to embrace in any walk of life, just yeah. silence. <laughs> yeah, it's scary, but it's like if you think it's beautiful, you know, it's you know, it's like stoicism. You yeah. know, once you once you've imagined bombing so bad, you know, then it's all okay. That's beautiful. And and it, well, and the other the other thing that I, I thought was uh interesting in retrospect to Mr. Show and uh, Kids in the Hall is how, you know, Kids in the Hall sketches, they're, they're timeless. You know, they're, they're still hilarious. It's not like you had to know who was president then. You didn't have to know what commercial was going on at right. that point. Uh, and was that a conscious decision for you guys? I don't know. Never. I mean, not hardly anything we ever did was conscious. I always, I always knew, I always felt parody. SCT had done it very well. And it just wasn't something I was drawn to. So we were like, eh, no parody, guys. Um, and I think we just wrote what was interesting without any kind of rules. Um, 
Yeah. And so, and I think it's because our stuff, we care about the weird person who's trying to do a message on their answering machine. Like we, we care about the people inside these things. So maybe that person's always around. So yeah. in that way, it doesn't age because they're about these, about flawed people. Right, right. That's that's amazing. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, uh, obviously you're in this group with uh, five tremendously hilarious people, tremendously weird people. You know, how do these ideas come together? How do you explain some of the ideas that you even had? Or, or were you guys sort of on the same wavelength where you didn't really need to get into the details for someone to like go, oh, okay, I get it. Um, well, it's a little bit of both. Like what what is great about, it's the opposite of Saturday Night Live where they had so many people and so many, so much material. It, it was very competitive to fill up the show. For us, it was like, how do we, how do we have enough material? There's only right. 25 <laughs> yeah. of us. But we had the thing like, you know, I remember one of the sets, scenes I did is like, I just want to go out with the drum machine and dance and stop. And I think that's going to be really funny. <laughs> and they go, okay. So you get a couple of those. So they, they go with you. And, you know, even when we were writing for the new show, I were just sitting there and I said, we have to do something about the wonderful world of recycling. <laughs> and everybody stared at me. And then Mark started riffing on this sort of a sixties weird thing about Kafka-esque recycling and you're not recycling, right? And <laughs> You know, that one didn't ultimately make the show because we had too much material, but it was just fun to just not have anything yeah. and have someone just add to it. And that's that's the real fun when you're in a group, which is you can go, bank machines are funny. And it's like, <laughs> pause, pause. And somebody has something or they don't. You know? More coming up from our guests. But first, a word from our sponsor. By now, you've probably heard all about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. You might even already be investing in them. But did you know you can invest in cryptocurrencies through your retirement account? That's right. With iTrust Capital, you can buy and sell cryptocurrencies from a crypto IRA and get all the same tax advantages as a traditional IRA. iTrust Capital allows you to invest in over two dozen of the most popular cryptocurrencies. And unlike the stock market, you can buy and sell 24 hours a day. The iTrust Capital platform is easy to use and it only takes a few minutes to create your account. Setting up an IRA is free and iTrust fees are low. It's time to start taking control of your financial future. With iTrust Capital, you can get all the tax benefits of a retirement account while investing in crypto. Visit itrust.capital slash G-A-R-J to start investing today. That's itrust.capital slash G-A-R-J. Taxes and conditions may apply. Fees apply. Cryptocurrencies are a speculative investment with risk of loss. iTrust Capital Inc. does not provide legal investment or tax advice. Consult with a qualified legal investment or tax professional. And we're back. Now, do you, is there, is there a, a Lost Kids in the Hall sketch that you think would have been the greatest thing ever, but your compatriots said no? Um, no, not really. I, re- you know, I, I remember Dave wrote a really funny sketch about, uh, farmers who had invented gigantic food to feed the world and no one would eat it. Cause that was freak food. Cause it was like <laughs> strawberries that were 30 feet high and stuff. <laughs> I, so I regretted that I hadn't said, Hey, we should do that one. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't, uh, I think I got lots of good stuff in quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, they should uh, put less of my material in the show is the truth. 
Um, do you, uh, because I've been watching sketches of uh, the past couple of days, I wonder, is there a remedy for uh, getting these are the Daves I know out of my head? Um, yeah, listening to Snowbird by Anne-Marie. It, okay. it'll, it'll, it'll throw <laughs> that, that effort right out of your head. That's the cure. <laughs> okay, yeah. <great. laughs> Little Snowbird, take me with you when you go. These are the Daves I know, no, no. Uh, for those of you who don't know exactly what i'm talking about just uh just just go on the old youtube and look for these are the daves i know and you will know what i'm talking about um so when you uh approach how do you approach like your your own uh, you 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 talked about directing you know Shit's Creek and all these like super uh, super iconic shows but how does the approach change or does it when it's like your material versus this is something someone else wrote and something something someone else is going to perform? Well, it, it, yeah, it, it's a tough one. I didn't learn it for a while. Like even when I. You know, I was just talking to someone about the film I'd done, Superstar, where I read it. I just didn't understand it until I read it a few times. Um, so the things you create, you know exactly how they should go. But when you're doing something like Schitt's Creek, you're kind of working for them and you have to fold in in a different way. So it's like some jobs you're the boss, some jobs you're the sidekick, some jobs, you know. So each thing you do, it's like at a party, like some person's really talkative, you'll get quiet. Some person's really quiet you'll get a bit more talkative. So I think each situation tells you if, you if you're open and confident and instinctive how to handle it. And so it's, it's a really a case-by-case basis. So is it like a prison scenario? Do you walk in and punch the biggest person in the room to, to uh, set your dominance? Uh, never. I, you know, when I was a young filmmaker, they'd say, well, you got to show the crew, you know what you're doing. And it's like, no, you don't. Like, you just have to be kind of competent and kind to people yeah. and articulate like it's people just want clarity and they want to go hey can we rehearse now like so it's yeah i think i think i think that stuff about leadership which is what i love about the phase we're in is like you know you lead from behind you you ask your your young compatriots for their ideas and their their spirit and that that's something it took me a, a number of years to know that Hey, maybe somebody else has a great idea. And in fact, that could be someone in the troop or it could be someone who's who's driving you to set. So now you're you're about to embark on this this one this stay, this one man show. Uh that sounds like a workout doing that uh night after night. How do you how do you get yourself ready for something like that? Um, I run and then I run on stage. You know, I think uh, it's I'm I'm that age now. Like I remember when I I, I, I saw Mavis Staples several years ago she was 75 then and she was so good and she's like there's cds for sale uh, out in the lobby and i thought yeah that's me so i do think and that's where i i'm coming from now with the kids in the hall like i align myself that i'm a blues musician and i just want to keep doing it and i don't mind sometimes those old blues musicians have to sit in a chair i don't I could care less. I just yeah. want to see them. And so for me, and of course we've lost some people, I've lost people. I just want to keep doing it. I can mm. keep communicating with people. Uh, like, you know, when you're young, you go, Oh, what do you mean? The, the balcony isn't sold out now. It's just like, wow, somebody came. This is amazing. Oh my so God. it's, it's really the, it's really the meditation of it. And, by, a- and it is cool to do it over and over and over. 
I, I cannot wait to see it. Uh, I'm going to be there every night staring stone-faced at you from the front row. <laughs> yes. Don't worry. I have security. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and speaking of weirdos, though, uh, you know, the Kids in the Hall was, uh, and, and your comedy sense, it, it definitely has an offbeat uh, bent to it. And I think people who really gravitate towards it might also share some of that weirdness. Um, do you appreciate the, the weirdos who show up for these things? Uh, oh, without question. It's like I say in my show, outsiders, there sure are a lot of us. Right. You know? right. And I, at first I was scared by people who wanted to talk to me and stuff because it's like, I'll, I'll leave it there. And, you know, cause when, before the show hit, I'd, I'd love to go to a, a bar and play some jukebox and have a bourbon and just write. And then after the show started, I couldn't because people say, why is that? Bruce McCullough. <laughs> and so it took me a while to realize when I started doing shows and our, I would go up and our fans would come up and they'd go, you know, I was, I was young and, and fucked up and, and I watched your show and it was the only thing that in my little weird town that made me feel, you know, so once I start hearing the stories of the people and some, some two wonderful people who've driven seven hours to see you and they had a struggle in their lives and yeah. You know, I, I didn't get that at first. And that's kind of the gift that I feel now. That's, uh, that's amazing. So have you been able to, uh, meet, uh, well, did you have, um, you know, comedy heroes growing up? Have you gotten to meet them? Did they turn out to be jerks after you did? Um, no comedy heroes. No, it's more, it was, you know, more fun to re- meet the black crows than my comedy heroes. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, music, music people, because music's my, was my thing that burst me out of my young self. I think meeting those people were, was more interesting. I don't know if I had comedy heroes. Um, I, I, I respected the, the generation that came slightly before me, you know, Bill Murray and Steve Martin, like I kill me. Um, but no, I, meeting them never was important to me for some mm. reason. And do you, is there anyone out there now? Is there anything that you're watching that you just are just in awe of that's really kind of blowing your mind or does everything suck? No, no. And I, you know, in my, my own show that's now on Fuse, Tall Boys, it's this great BIPOC sketch show that's regenerated and energized me. And partially doing that show made, made me want to do the kids again, because it's like, wow, sketch comedy. It's really fun. It's really hard. Yeah. You know, you need a new set every day, you, you know? And so, but there's, you know, I don't know the New York scene that well. I was in LA for a while and all the, all the kids at UCB, all the great souls. And here in Toronto, there's like 300 amazing, weird performers yeah. all trying to, to get their voices out. So there's, I'm just amazed by the tidal wave of great talent. And of course, you know, maybe partially we helped by going like, Hey, you can actually be a nerd. And this is, can be a job because there wasn't, there was, you know, 12 people doing it when I was doing it. And now there's 1200 or 12,000. So this is all your fault. It is all my fault. (laughs) Are you, uh, do you see, are your kids, uh, drawn to this life? Uh, and if they are, are you happy or sad about that? Um, my son, it was funny because before this, uh, uh, Tall Boys went three seasons. He used to call me Mr. One Season because I did a couple <laughs> things that only went one season. And so he's, you know, he's he's got that sort of caustic thing. Yeah. And he like, he, he'll like want a couple of the Tall Boys things, a couple of things he won't. 
he's he's he, he likes the tiny meat gang and like really kind of more more i don't know odd um non sequitur i love non sequiturs but he you know the odd little tiktok stuff yeah 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 so but i think we might get him there are you uh do you, do you, do you dabble in that world uh have you been tempted to go into the social media realms or nah i you know i just i don't know i I'd love that you have a podcast, but I just never thought that that's what I wanted to do or yeah. to, I didn't want to try to, what do you do on the YouTube thing? Like I, <laughs> it just didn't seem like the right outlet for me. Um, I could have, but I just didn't, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I just wonder because, you know, you guys, uh, and you, you craft these, you know, these well-crafted, like super funny and edited to perfection kind of things. And then, you know, someone on TikTok like makes a goofy face and does a silly dance and it gets like a hundred million views. Like, I wonder if that drives someone who actually creates good things crazy. No, no, I actually, I love it because I'm a punk, right? A, a punk music was all about, we don't need a de deal at Atlantic. We can do it ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend who we were trying to develop a TV show for, for a while for him. And, you know, he probably made $20,000 in two years developing it. And he makes 50 grand a month now by doing the thing that he wants to do. So, yeah. you know, um, I have a friend, Julie Noki, who I, who is, is a pal of mine and she's a YouTuber and she just does her own craft and makes her own things. Um, so I love that they've, we've, they've taken back the tools and sometimes it's stupid, but it's fun to watch like a bird shit on someone or <laughs> someone's pants to fall out or, or just the weird, like they're dressed as a Smurf and then they cross the road and they go fancy. Like, I love, I love the weirdness of it. Too, right? And are you, are you the, I mean, I, I can imagine the thoughts that are swimming around in your brain. Are you like, do you carry a notebook around? Are you writing this stuff down or does it just spur the moment when you're ready to create something? There it is. Uh, I used to, I have 40 tartan notebooks from the kids in the hall days with my scrawls and stuff. Um, you know, and even when I couldn't afford it, I had a writer's assistant who he or she would come over and I would just babble a bunch of stuff. But now it's about just being in a space where you go, okay, at 10, we're going to try to write some stuff. And then, so at five after you're trying to do something. So I think it's just letting it, finding the place to let your brain do it. Um, do you, is there something that you've done uh, over the years or even recently that you feel like you could watch it a hundred thousand times and it'll make you smile every time? Oh, I, I, the, the comedian me wants to say the children I've created just to watch them. So beautiful. Um, no, I, uh, no, I don't, I don't love watching my own work, you know? Oh, you're I, missing out, Bruce. I, I, no, I saw it. I did. We did a screening of Superstar, a film I directed it couple years ago. And it's yeah. like, wow, this is pretty good. I haven't seen this <laughs> since I finished it. You know, um, it's, it's, it's never been my thing. That's Even though when you're making it, you've got to, you've got to obsess with everything and then you just push it off. Well, I mean, I, I can relate in a very minimal way just because I'm here recording a podcast and I can't stand this, the sound of my own voice, but it's amazing to meet someone like you who's just like <laughs> so great. And I just, I would like you to watch yourself because you're, you are goddamn funny. Well, thank you so much. Um, so this show, Tales of Bravery and Stupidity, it's running from June 1st to the 12th at the Soho Playhouse. I guess my big question to you is, should people come? Well, 
You know, it's funny when I was doing the kids in the hall series, I was such a punk that when we did promos, I couldn't say, watch my show because <laughs> so I'd stand there like a little punk. And the other guys would have to say, watch my show. See me. But, um, I, I have done this show a couple, a few times as I'm developing it. I think it's a pretty nice healing and hilarious. I think it's a nice event for people to, to commune together at this moment. And they're in fairly capable, if tiny hands. <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't know if we could end on a better note than that, tiny hands. Uh, but Bruce, uh, sincerely, you have created some just amazingly enjoyable and things over the years and just brought a lot of joy to me personally, but to millions of people. So thank you for that. And I cannot wait to to go see your show. And, and boo if I have to, because I'm honest. Boo if you have to. And I, if we get into a fist fight, we do. If we- <laughs> No, I, thank you for your time, and I, I and I appreciate all your kindness. You got it. All right, man. Really, really great talking to you. This is uh, this is this is a keeper. This is great. So thanks so much, and uh, I hope I'll talk to you again soon. See you there. <laughs> okay, man. Thank you. That's our episode, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Get a Real Job comes out every Tuesday. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you harvest your favorite podcasts. Leave us a review. Give us a share. I mean, big people. Go to entrepreneur.com for new episodes of this and to listen to our other great podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.